over a decade of experience in video games, and all he has to show for it is this stupid podcast. It's Behind the Line Radio, with your host, Kinetic, and it starts now. Hello everyone, and welcome to Behind the Line Radio. I'm your host, Kinetic, a.k.a. Nick. Joining me today, uh, same as last time, we have Jeff or Baron Fang. How are you doing today? Excellent. How are you? I'm okay. And today, we've got a few stories to kind of discuss. Yeah, kind of discuss. There is a kind of discussing. It's not Boolean. It, it, you, can have, Sur- you can have a semi-discussion. Surface-level discussion. Best. <laughs> Um, so GDC is coming up, and this is the award show that I've always given the most credence to because it, uh, I've talked about it before, it's just less marketing and more, a bit more like, I don't know, the Academy Awards, however valued you consider the Academy Awards to be, <laughs> um, but it is it is the industry recognizing success a bit more than just, hey, I think this is going to make a lot of money, let's put it out in front of a bunch of people. Hmm. Uh, Jeff, do you ever follow the uh, Game Developers Choice Awards? Uh, to be honest, not really. Uh, do and... you ever follow any gaming awards uh, other I than mean, end of year lists? End of year list, yeah. And the, the last, uh, the, the um, I'm blanking on the Jeff. Uh, what was that? Jeff Keeley uh, event. The Game that, Awards, or yeah. Whatever. I I paid attention to it because it seemed like this just amazing train wreck that <laughs> people just couldn't bring themselves to look away from, and the Schick Hydrobot stuff was just hilarious. So, uh, but yeah, I don't tend to pay a great deal of attention because I, I just have the impression of these things as being a circle jerk. Although, in fairness, the more I learn about the GDC, the more it seems to be uh, have some. More, I mean, it seems to have some more legitimacy to it, at least to the. The, the industry people because as you said it it's less uh, polluted with just raw marketing um, so yeah perhaps <laughs> I should be paying more attention to it, um, it, it but it, I mean it is around award season anyway so um, <laughs> it's true yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I've t- I've talked about it a bunch I mean I don't think that that any the games industry doesn't exactly lend itself to good um, award shows or reviews or things like that and some of this. Mm-hmm. Well, first, I'm going to say if you're going to have a, a, a somewhat vulgar comparison, I guess if uh, other award shows are a circle jerk, then the Game Developers Choice Awards is some some autofellatio or something. <laughs> it's it's at least there, there are some things that you can get out of it that are kind of impressive, at least. Uh, like last year, last year her story walked away with a whole bunch of awards, and I thought I should probably check that out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if nothing else, um, sometimes it does seem to uh, bring buzz around games that um, that you might not have heard of otherwise. Yeah, as opposed to stuff like the Game Awards, which is you've heard of all of these before. Yeah, yeah. You're not, and you're not surprised by any of the categories or people, you know, games in the categories. Yeah. Uh, in fact, so it, sometimes the closest you get to being surprised is if something doesn't make a category. Uh-huh. It's like, oh. Yeah, that that's about as close as you get. Yeah. It's uh, 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 condemnation by omission is the only surprising <laughs> thing you get from the the advertising yeah. game awards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but another another thing, uh, this is something I mentioned in my uh, my article about uh, Brigadeur. If uh, anyone actually remembers either the article or the game, mm. um, I. I 
put forth kind of a, a thought experiment, I suppose, or a formula about how to value a video game. And video game. This this goes to what I was saying about video games don't exactly lend themselves well to review to like award shows and stuff because a game almost. Most games, by their nature, require so much of your time that most people are not going to have experienced the majority of things being nominated mm-hmm. or anything in contention. There's just so much out there that you can't, as opposed yep. to a movie, which would have like, okay, this is two hours. Okay, this is an hour and a half. Okay, this is three hours. That better be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the fact that it's that long t- tends to suggest that it justified the, the amount of time it took to make something that long. Yeah. But uh yeah, what, uh, uh, but another one of the interesting things about the GDC Awards show is that it's actually in two sections. There's the GDC Game Developers Choice Awards and but preceding that is the uh IGF uh Indie Game Awards. Mm-hmm. Show. Yeah, and they're independently run of each other. They like you, you can have games nominated in both categories. So I wanted to kind of run down the categories for each hmm. and sort of discuss them briefly. Okay. There's a lot of stuff in here that I'm sure we haven't played or maybe even heard of. So uh, let's start. Let's start with the IGF. Uh, okay. Let's see here. So the nominees, in other words. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here, and here's one we probably don't. Ha- I'm gonna I'm gonna start from the bottom and work my way up to the the grand prize here. So best student game, Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor, uh, Lily Colors of Santa Luz, uh, Unpaf Fragile, uh, Far Lone Sales, uh, Frog Climbers, and Bamboo Heart. Hmm. And I'm not gonna get to the honorable mentions because these lists get long. Um, I have not played any of these. They're student games, so the only thing I can really say is I hope the best for everybody who worked on these things. <laughs> can I can I ask? Because I, I know this has come up before. Sure. Are the categories uh, are the categories consistent year to year? Um, I've looked into the Game Developers Choice Awards, and like a few big ones are consistent. But uh, there's a lot of variation that happens. Like there was one for level design that went away and maybe came back mm. or something. So the, there's a couple of big ones that are consistent year to year, and some of the other ones shift around. And when I spoke with Marco about this last year, that was one of our complaints: is that you don't have yeah, that continuous that. That, that continuous history that that brings prestige and gravitas to it. It's like a pro wrestling title that changes hands too often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You devalue the intercontinental belt if it uh, if it jumps around too much, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's the hardcore title, which I was the whole point was he kept switching hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go crash, Holly. Okay. <laughs> Next one: excellence in narrative. We should have a couple things we recognize here: uh, Lady Killer in a Bind, 1979 Revolution, Black Friday, uh, Virginia. Which or I've well, at least heard of. <laughs> yeah. Event Zero and One Night Stand. So I suppose one of the interesting things is if 1979 Revolution, the one with the largest profile, will be the one that wins here. Mm. Yeah, I mean, does the, does it sometimes turn into a popular a popularity contest with this? Uh, I mean, I'm, I suppose all awards are 
Yeah, the, well, these are, to that, but... these are settled by a vote, so in some sense it's a popularity contest. I mean, same as the Academy Awards. Those are settled mm-hmm. by a vote from the members of the Academy. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's somewhat of a self-selected group, so it's not just what is the flavor of the month. Mm-hmm. Okay, next category for the Independent Game Festival Awards. Excellence in Design, Imbroglio... Ultimate Chicken Horse. <laughs> uh, sounds like a, a, a robot chicken, ro- a robot unicorn attack. Yeah, I, when, when I read that, I pictured an arcade machine in, in Space Quest 3 off in the corner of the <laughs> Monolith Burger, which is waiting to attract your uh, your Buckazoids. That, that, uh, that's, a, that's a weird one. All right. uh, Duskers, which I've... I've Heard of that one? Overcooked, which I think I've heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Event Zero and Quadrilateral Cowboy, which is one I've heard uh, in um, complimentary terms in the past. Yeah, that's a cyberpunk um, type de- uh, heist or whatever game, I guess. Right? Mm-hmm. Is huh. let's see. Then there's Excellence in Audio, uh, The Flame in the Flood, Goner. Virginia, second one for that one. Hyperlight Drifter, Everything, and Inside. This is not the first time we're going to hear of Inside. No, no, I expect uh, expect it's going to do well based on profile alone. Yeah. Uh, Then we've got Excellence in Visual Arts. And for the most part, these things are pretty – these categories are self-explanatory. Some of them aren't Mm -hmm. aren't necessarily so. So if anything sounds weird, interrupt me, and I'll try to explain what it is. Mm. Uh, Let's see. The the flame – unless, of course, they changed the the categories on me. (laughs) From last year, yeah. Uh, Excellence in visual arts. The flame and the flood, second time we've heard that one. Inside, uh, second time we've heard that one. Virginia, is that the second or third time we've heard that? That's the third time we've heard Virginia. Uh, Old Man's Journey. Hyperlight Drifter, and uh, She Remembered Caterpillars. That's an interesting name. Okay, and this is one you're probably going to want me to define. The Nuovo Award. Yeah, what is that? Is that like Rookie Awards or something? No, I think that's uh, I think that's more for just general innovation. Okay. So I believe like her story won the Nuovo Award last year. Because it's a very different kind of game. Yeah, yeah. So, Nuovo Award. Uh, islands, non-places. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if that's supposed to be close or close. <laughs> I, I hate I hate words <laughs> that are... Sp- oh my god, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Uh, once in college, I had to stop and ask people, how do you spell red as in the past tense of read? <laughs> <laughs> and it stunned the room for a second. Everyone had to stop and think. It's like it's spelled the same way. That's stupid. Uh, anyhow, so closes uh, diaries of a spaceport janitor. Wow! Right on the heels of my Space Quest uh, reference, <laughs> I didn't know that was coming. Honestly, Oikspiel. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's how it's pronounced. It's got some special characters in there. Uh, everything, Virginia again. Hmm, maybe I'll have to look into that one. Uh, Moo Cartographer, and Leiv Oma. Okay. Very few of these that I have uh, exposure with. Mm. But that's but that's also part of the, the sort of 
interesting points of these. You see something that gets a whole lot of uh, traction and think, oh, I should probably look into that. Hmm. Then we've got the Seamus McNally Grand Prize. So I take it this is the um, the most prestigious. Uh, yeah. yeah. This, this one has money, associ- like extra money associated with it. I think it's like did did, did her story win this last year? Pretty sure. Hmm. You, you got to remember when Witcher Three won the main award for the Games Choice Award, they came up and said, "Oh, that was a close one. I thought her story was going to win again." <laughs> <laughs> like her story ran away with it last year, which, you know, it's an interesting game. I'm not sure it deserved that much, but yeah, um, whatever. Uh, let's see. So inside Stardew Valley, interesting. That's the first time we saw that one. Yeah, elsewhere. Yeah. That might be a nod to some commercial success or something. Quadrilateral Cowboy, Event Zero, Hyperlight Drifter, and Overcooked. So the only one there that we hadn't seen nominated for something else is Stardew Valley. Yeah. Kind of fascinating. I'd be willing to bet that one may have sold the best. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm, hear- I'm hearing an awful lot about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. And that covers the IGF awards. Now, for the award show that immediately follows it, like, mm-hmm. by 15 minutes in the same auditorium, <laughs> which makes me wonder a little bit why they're different things, is the Game Developers Choice Awards. Mm-hmm. And here, we've got category Best Audio, and you're going to know a lot more of these. Battlefield 1, mm-hmm. Thumper, Doom, Inside, well, that didn't take long for that one to get in here, uh-huh. <laughs> and Overwatch. Uh. I can imagine Overwatch getting some recognition here. I have yeah, you never think. heard... The th- here's one of the funny things is audio, are they going to count, like, is this for, and, and this is probably just up to the individual voters, but are they talking about sound effects, sound design, or soundtrack? Because if it if if it focuses on soundtrack, I have difficulty imagining justifying voting for anything other than Doom. Mm. Well, also is uh, is anyone really hearing the soundtrack in Overwatch <laughs> over top of all the the madness? Like, uh, I mean, I'm, I could see it winning for sound design or something like that, but soundtrack seems odd. Little little audio, the audio clips from the characters and. <laughs> yeah, uh, quite a long list of honorable mentions here. Uh, <laughs> I see, I see a couple of. Uh, I, I see. Well, Hyperlight was in an audio category for the other one. There it is. Huh. Uh, Uncharted for Res Infinite. Man, if a, if a Res game didn't get nominated, they did something wrong. <laughs> or, yeah, or at least mentioned. Uh, yeah. Firewatch. I got mentioned again. Dishonored Two. The Last mm. Guardian. Uh, that's a. Mm. Uh, Consulate. The, like, uh, the Last Guardian, I, I, I enjoyed it, and I thought it had some good stuff. The sound was not really one of the things. Like, it didn't have that swelling orchestral thing that just piqued your interest from Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. It's like, I'm killing this giant thing, and I'm getting this sort of triumphant music in it. Yeah. So, Last Guardian didn't stand up by comparison? Yeah, I, I spoke about this uh, uh, with Roel uh, about a month ago, and, I mean, it's a good game, and its emotional highs are higher than any of the other Team Eco games, mm-hmm. but uh, it 
it didn't have the same cohesive whole. It wasn't as tight an experience of, as Shadow of the Colossus. So it was a mm-hmm. little bit. It was, I, I compare the Team Eco games to the Nolan Batman movies. Mm. The first one was pretty good. Second one was just amazing, and to expect the third one to to measure up to the second one is unfair. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So moving on to the next category, best debut. Oh, they got a okay. So they got a rookie category here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Heart Machine. Uh, oh, this is this is the maker. Yeah, it's Heart it's, Machine it's, made yeah, uh, Hyperlight Drifter. Yeah. Uh, Campo Santo made Firewatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Concerned, Concerned Ape, Ape for Stardew Valley, Drool for Thumper, and Night School Studio for Oxenfree. I have to imagine that Stardew Valley will win this one. Mm. Uh, I, honorable. I've been I've been hearing about Hyperlight Drifter since 2012, so it's kind of surprising to me. I, I, I guess that's just the reality of independent games development, and sometimes it can take that long to to uh, get a game out. But um, we were just talking yeah. about the last guardian. You're going to complain about something that took like four or five years. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. But I, I agree. I agree with you. I think Stardew, uh, I think Stardew will probably take that one. Yeah. Honorable mentions, super hot, super hot team. That's definitely worth noting there. <laughs> yeah. uh, numinous games for that dragon cancer. I played through that one and um, sure. I find it weird that uh, that Dragon Cancer got mentioned this year as opposed to last year because yeah. it was available last year and it was even demoed at GDC last yeah, year. Yeah, that, that that does seem odd. I was not here. I was hearing about that game in a 2015 context too. So I, I wonder what the if there is a cutoff or whether they're yeah, being maybe. fast and loose with the rules there. Maybe, um, uh, maybe I'm not its official release see. was uh, technically within 2016, so it made for previews but not for award consideration. Yeah. I'm not surprised to see Giant Squid there either. That's um that yeah, I'm I'm kind of expected to see that name there too. <laughs> then uh Ghost Town Games for Overcooked, Ink Stories for nineteen seventy nine Revolution Black Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh let's see here. Then we got Best Design. It's a bit of a sexier category. Overwatch, Blizzard Entertainment, Dishonored Two, uh The Witness. Inside and Doom. I have to imagine that Overwatch is going to win this one. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Yeah. Uh, honorable mentions: Titanfall 2, Uncharted 4, Dark Souls 3, Firewatch, and Hitman. Hmm. Uh, I, I just got to mention Dark Souls. I'm a fan of the Dark Souls games, but uh, I haven't gotten all the way through three yet. Don't judge me; I have very limited time. Uh, <laughs> And um, is, I think there some of it is just sequelitis in a sense. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. Dark Souls Two was freaking ugly compared to the first one, ugly. And uh, the 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 narrative and story and world building just wasn't wasn't as tight, wasn't as cohesive, wasn't as thick. Um, Dark Souls Three so far feels better than Dark Souls Two, but. Hmm. I, I, I feel like it being mentioned here is more like inertia from the franchise. Yeah. Um, Uncharted 4. Maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you think, you think they had actually anything... And I don't know, I actually haven't played any Uncharted games, but do you really think they had anything particularly new or different in the design of the game? Uh, yeah, that's that's what confuses me. How Four games in, you can win a Best Design Award? Uh, I mean, it looked like a higher resolution, better graphics version of what I'd, I've noticed before, but maybe <laughs> I'm wrong. Uh, 
Yeah. <clears throat> oh, here we go. Close to home for you. Yep. Best mobile handheld. Yep. So we got Super Mario Run, Clash Royale, Pokemon Go, uh, Reigns, and Pokemon Sun and Moon. With honorable mentions, Mini Metro, which was up for awards last year, so I don't understand its inclusion here. Uh, Severed, Deus Ex Go, Fire Emblem Fates, Imbroglio. More hey, Nintendo the in there. <laughs> Swap Sword. Jeez. Well, Nintendo's one that's just, like, the name is going to get some some recognition. Yeah. Um, although that brings up another question. Fire Emblem Fates didn't come out in 2016. Hmm. Huh. Super Mario Run didn't come out in 2016. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know either. Um, I I can see this going to either Pokemon Go or Clash Royale. One of the two. Hmm. Um, Super Mario Run. It's an interesting experiment. I think there's a lot of people who can enjoy it just fine, but it's not the. It's not a killer app. No. It's it's not something that strikes a chord other than interest in Nintendo. Uh, it's not something that has a super smooth uh, experience like Clash Royale. Mm. Uh, I, I, Pokemon Sun and Moon has a chance, I suppose, but again, that's kind of... Some of that is going to be by uh, franchise inertia. Yeah, yeah. And just the name. Hmm. Okay, Innovation Award. Here, here's hmm. got some interesting stuff here. Uh, the Witness, Inside, No Man's no Sky. No Man's Sky. <laughs> well, you can't say it wasn't innovative. No, no, I, I wouldn't argue that. I'm still surprised. To, but you know what? There were a lot of things about it that I haven't seen before. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there were some bad things I haven't seen before, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, yeah, I, now, you know, more that I think about it, I, I have to give it to it. It, it was a pretty innovative game um yep. i mean it it certainly failed in, in, in a lot of ways and um but yeah i have to admit there was some pretty innovative stuff there um, yeah. i i have to imagine that there was so much heat between hello games and sony yeah uh when it came to the release and the feature set and bleh. it'll be I wasn't uh, involved there. it'll be interesting to see what the next thing Hello Games works on, whether they're willing to, uh, well, well, willing to work that closely with uh, an outside party like that again, or whether they'll go at uh, do it, learn from the experience and and do something different. Uh, I, I only time will tell. I mean, it's it looks like they should really put more time in, like at least from a product standpoint, put more time into No Man's Sky and have like oh, a, yeah, yeah. Ma- a big like you know a realm reborn kind of update for it. Yeah. I'm talking more like five years from now when, mm. the, you know, they're onto their next IP or, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming a lot here, obviously. <laughs> I mean, some companies don't survive this sort of stuff, so we shall see. But yeah. um, how do you feel about Pokemon go under innovation award? Uh, Pokemon go is basically a reskinned ingress. So if it wins <laughs> innovation, <laughs> Uh huh. I like Super Hot. I I would have liked to have seen Super Hot up there, honestly. Yeah. Okay. That Dragon can Okay. Honorable mentions. That Dragon <laughs> Cancer, Last Guardian, Super Hot, and Quadrilateral Cowboy. Super Hot deserves an actual nomination in place of Pokemon Go. Yep. That Dragon yep. Cancer is not really innovative. 
Yeah. The Last Guardian probably deserves uh, uh, an official uh, uh, nomination. Yeah. Because that's that that actually is different. Yeah. Um, I I know some people who liked Firewatch. Get even even you know people that didn't don't necessarily like Walking Sims enjoyed it. I don't know where I having not played it. I don't know where it would be considered innovative. I certainly thought the art design was really interesting, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I don't know enough about it to object to it being there. But I I'm just I think Super Hot should be up there. Mm-hmm. Narrative. Yeah. So next one, best narrative, The Last Guardian. Oxen free, Uncharted four. Okay, that's something that I can understand Uncharted being nominated for. Yeah. If if because this is about presentation in the story, so mm. sure a sequel might have a better refinement. Uh, Inside and Firewatch with honorable mentions that Dragon Cancer, Dishonored two, Witcher three. That why why it was up last year. Mm. <sighs> is that is is blood is that because of the DLC? Is I it, guess. They, I guess. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Witcher 3 Blood and Wine. Uh, Kentucky Route Zero Act 4. Are they literally pointing to a specific like chapter of the game? I'm not familiar the game with as a Kentucky whole? Route Zero. <laughs> I mean, it might it might be episodic, but that's kind of weird. That they're only, <laughs> no, they seem to be speci- specifying one point of this one part of the story. Maybe I'm misreading that. But it's like <laughs> The Godfather Part Two. I don't know. Speaking <laughs> of Godfather, the other honorable mention is Mafia Three. Mafia Three, yeah. 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 Uh, I heard a lot of mixed things about that game. I n- I don't remember hearing anything about the story or, or the narrative, so I don't know. Maybe it did have a good story despite all its uh, faults. Well, I'll say for this, I would be I would find it interesting if The Last Guardian wins this one because it doesn't exactly have a rich narrative. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it, it it has it has a very like deeply emotional storyline and through yeah. line, but it's not exactly you know a complex story. Yeah. Uh, that whole thing is just designed to take its time mm. and let everything kind of try to sink in and, and uh, nurture the relationship between the boy and the, the griffin. Huh. Okay, this this one's pretty uh, subjective. Best technology. Huh. Uh, Battlefield 1, No Man's Sky, Overwatch, Doom, and Uncharted 4 with honorable mentions for Inside, Pokemon Go, The Last Guardian, Dishonored 2, and The Witness. And this is one that I actually think uh, The Last Guardian can probably deserve an official nomination for, because if you're only talking about technology, the rendering of Trico is gorgeous, because all Mm -hmm. them feathers move independently. It's really impressive. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people who are very impressed with uh, the look of Battlefield 1. Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised to see it there. Um, Doom, I'm, I'm also really not terribly surprised to see it there. Um, I, I'm, I'm oh, curious about what technology they're referring to there, though. Yeah. I mean, are they just, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> I, guess, I guess you're right. I mean, I, 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 I kept hearing how impressive looking it was, but, yeah. um, I mean, No Man's Sky is pretty it? easy to understand because it's got their whole formula for procedural generation all based on a seed, so everyone sees the same thing. Yeah. Overwatch probably has pretty good net code, so yeah. I, can, I can understand that one. The other ones, I'm not really sure what they're referring to. I mean, yeah. Pokemon Go, I understand that one too, but that's another like it's ingress again. So yeah, not to go down a rat hole, but what do you think will happen if No Man's Sky picks up a couple of awards? Nah. Do you think it'll open open old wounds again? And nah, <laughs> nah. 
most most of the people who are going to be upset about No Man's Sky are not going to be paying much attention to this awards show. Yeah. That's another one yeah, of the reasons right. I kind of like it is because it doesn't carry that kind of uh, expectation with it. Yeah. Like, if, yeah. if No Man's Sky won a whole bunch of uh, uh, game awards, then people would probably get pissed yeah. off because those are supposed to be commercials. So Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, we're going to expect you to buy this thing that uh, a bunch of people clearly don't like. Which, yeah. I still, I'm just going to bring this up again. No Man's Sky is pretty much exactly what I always thought it was going to be. Mm. So I find the whole thing a little weird, and maybe that's just because I wasn't paying attention to Sean Murray's interviews and whatnot, but yeah. I don't know. From the moment I heard about it, it's like it, it, it came out exactly like what I thought it was going to be from the first time I heard about it. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe I just lucked. I don't want to sound arrogant or anything. I just Maybe I just lucked into the right thing or something. I don't know. Yeah. Next category. Best visual art. Okay, this makes mm-hmm. a lot more sense. Yeah. It's much more approachable. Firewatch, The Last Guardian, Overwatch, Uncharted 4, and Inside, with honorable mentions, The Witness, Battlefield 1, Abzu, Thumper, and Doom. Yeah. Uh, the Last Guardian should win this. Yeah. Please let The Last Guardian win this. <laughs> yeah. That's a and pretty game. It, yeah, I think Inside's a pretty impressive looking game, too, but I, I think I would have liked to have seen Abzu up there, to be honest. Hmm. Uh, don't I don't have problems with the others. Doom could, I, I, Doom could have snuck in, too. Doom, uh, Doom is Doom is what it's supposed to be. Doom is exactly what it's supposed to be. Uh, best VR AR game. This is interesting. Uh, Res Infinite, which I played briefly. It's a little weird because sometimes you have to turn around and and target behind you. Uh, Res Inf- uh, I'm sorry, I already said that one. Super Hot VR, uh, Job Simulator. The one that everyone likes watching other people play. Uh, <laughs> Pokemon, Pokemon Go. Go. Oh, Fantastic Contraption got nominated. Oh, cool. Hmm. Uh, have you ever played Fantastic Contraption? Uh, I'm not familiar with that one, no. A long time. It, it was an old, like, Flash game. Way back when. And uh, it's it's you have to get, like, this item from one side of the screen to another side of the screen. Sometimes in an orientation. Sometimes across obstacles and other stuff and you have different pieces that you can put together to make a machine uh, like so a, like it's a, a, a wheel Rube Goldberg type wheel. thing i'm sorry yeah. what? so like a Rube Goldberg type device like mousetrap where you put wheels kind, and kind levers of, not necessarily but <laughs> like you, you you get like wheels that turn one way wheels that turn another way solid beams not solid beams and so forth uh i, I had a huh. lot of fun with this back in the day and huh. uh you could even like save your machine and upload it for other people to look at. Uh, one of them, one of the stages way back when was um, uh, if you could imagine an M turned on its side and you had to get the thing to kind of crawl up this winding path. Yeah. And I made a, a thing with the with the spinning wheels such that it could go up and around the bend and turn upside down and keep going. Hmm. Uh, so this is a reimagining of the of the previous game then for it, VR. Yeah, I mean, I saw I actually saw this huh. demonstrated at the uh, previous last year's GDC, and I thought it was a fascinating use of VR. Um, and the, it had a uh, 
I'm sorry, I'm just really excited about this being nominated. It uh, <laughs> it actually had like a demo schedule, like you had to sign up to try it out, and the thing was full when I got there. Oh, I was wow. like, oh, son of a bitch, I'd love to try this out because it was like you you have your it was like on a Vive or something. And you were trying to put down the pieces in a 3D space to get something to move from one side to the other. And I thought that was, that is the most fascinating use of VR that I've seen yet. Yeah. Because then you can look around the thing and you have to move it in three dimensions and all that stuff. Huh. So cool. if anyone out there wants to, to look it up, it's fantastic contraptions. It's a fun thing. Um, it's not going to win this, but I am so – I think it's so cool that it's on here. Uh, huh. Honorable mentions, uh, Thumper, Hypercube, Batman VR, and Space Pirate Trainer. Oh, and the lab. <laughs> and the lab, yeah. Um, I am going to guess that either uh, Jobs... <sighs> I think Pokemon Go should probably be the the front runner for this. Mm. Yeah, I tend to agree. <laughs> uh, with uh, possibilities for Job Simulator or Super Hot VR. But uh, Res Infinite, honestly, nothing that special. Fantastic contraption. I, I freaking love it, but I don't think it's quite got the... I think got the star power. Star power, there's nothing really... I mean, it's cool to move your head around it, and I think it's 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 awesome. But I'm not sure it really has the um, full execution of the medium. Hmm. Like, you can, you can imagine, like... I just described Fantastic Contraption in a way that you do not need VR to play it. It is not possible to, to have Pokemon Go. The concept of Pokemon Go requires the AR aspect, the, yeah, the running around the real world. Yeah, it doesn't work without stuff. it. Yeah. Okay. And the big one. The big, big one. The big, big, big one. Game of the Year. Uncharted 4, Overwatch, Inside, Dishonored 2, and Firewatch. With honorable mentions for Doom, The Witness, Battlefield 1, The Last Guardian, and Titanfall 2. Hmm. Really feels like Dishonored 2's inclusion in a lot of these categories is consolary. Yeah, I, I just, I don't see it winning anything. Not, not, not that it was a bad game, but... It didn't, yeah, it does, nothing does about it really, nothing about it I'm aware of really stood out. Yeah. Huh. So, I mean, really... If I was going to look at Game of the Year, my front runners would have been Doom or, or The Last Guardian, and neither of them got nominations. Yeah. So I'm going, to, I'm going to guess. Yeah, I'm going to guess Overwatch is going to be the winner here, unless Inside is going to run the table again, hmm. like uh, not again, like her story did last year. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's a possibility. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe people are going to are going to steer away from it just because they expect it to win another award. I'm not sure about that, because her story uh, won a ton last year. I'm trying to remember what game it was last year that kept getting nominated for stuff and nobody liked and, and got kind of booed a little bit. <laughs> I don't remember. Ah, it doesn't matter all that much. So, that's the rundown for the awards for... Poor Titanfall 2 is an afterthought. In, in, <laughs> an afterthought in the market and an afterthought in every category that it's in. It's almost sad, you know. They did such a good job of uh, of re, uh, you know, a sequel that really addressed a lot of the problems with the first, and it just had so many things working against it out there in the marketplace, you know. Uh, I, I I I could say something, but I'm I'm not gonna. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, let's see here. Another thing coming up on GDC, there's this uh, 
alt.control.gdc. And what this is is a, uh, a recurring sort of festival, almost like a maker's fair kind of thing. It's The, the premise is to have alternative control schemes. Mm-hmm. And um, let's, let's kind of go over some of the entries here this year. Okay. Uh, last year included stuff like um, a tank game where you had just two big wheels that you had to spin, like manually spin these large cranks to control the thing. It was, it was strange. And there was something about like uh, uh, hard candy that you had to lick. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's. There, there's weird stuff here. There's really weird stuff here. So some of them are cool. Some of them are just thought experiments, and some of them are just wacky for the sake of being wacky. Um, yeah. Let's see here. So let's try to go through this in a fairly prompt manner. Orpheus Quest, a video game experience with a unique control method. Well, obviously. Uh, the participant of the experience must control Orpheus in the underworld. Um, plays with a liar with laser strings. laser strings. <laughs> wow. Okay. Synchronized execution with no scene on the screen. So it's a little like a, a laser guitar version of Guitar Hero, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next is Schadenfreude. Um, so many people crammed into a tight space like an elevator. You can't even reach the elevator button. <laughs> wow, I wish someone would turn this experience into a, f- <laughs> a physical hidden traitor game. Okay. Uh... uh <laughs> On a uh, stage on a physical controller about that uh, one asshole. asshole on the elevator that can't seem to remember their floor. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Fear Sphere. Uh, bridging the gap between the real world and digital world with VR. Uh, the game is played with a minimum of two players, one of which is placed inside an inflatable <laughs> sphere. Oh, God. <laughs> Acting as the realm the game takes place within, using the custom-built flashlight controller. Oh, God, where is this going? (laughs) I'm just glad it was a flashlight and not a different light. Uh, The player must navigate (laughs) an unknown indoor space while being stalked by an unseen enemy. Okay, that's strange. Uh, All of these are, though. UFO bellies. Oh, God, this is that thing with the picture here that looked like what, Wade from U.S. Acres? <laughs> uh, a color trick game that requires the players find the, the color of the word, not the text of the word itself. Oh, that's that's oh, a nasty okay. trick. That's a really nasty trick. Yeah. Have you ever taken brain, one of those? Yeah, like you yeah. have like, <laughs> w- w- what's the color of the word? And they show you blue written in yellow letters. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you got to stop. And... That messes with your head. And fight and fight your brain yeah. from saying the wrong thing. Ah. Okay. Uh, Super Brin, a reinterpretation of traditional games from France. Uh, the installation is born uh, inviting the player to throw a ball. The launch is then extended in the game, a mix of psychedelic <laughs> pinball and futuristic bowling. <laughs> sure. Uh, uh. Cylindrus. A game of light played around a cylindrical field of play up to four players move wirelessly around a cylinder of 600 LED lights as they attempt to control the battlefield. Natural fog of war. I guess it's because you can't see around the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like something out of Doctor Who, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) He's got this weird, weird display thing they got a picture of here. 
Shape fitter. Well, that doesn't sound anything like Tetris. <laughs> yeah. Uh, player needs to move and orient shapes in 3D to fit through the correspond. It's 3D Tetris. Uh, cradle in a moving wall. Chances are there's some. Let's see. Compression of the controller's spring affects the speed of the moving wall. Okay, that's the weird part. The controller's weird. Doggy tug of war. Physical pull. Physically pull a reel. Okay, it's it's a virtual tug of war with a dog. Okay. Uh, Victor the loser. Victor the loser is a game or control a game controller that you play with it. That's a weird sentence. Victor the loser is a game controller that you play with it. And it is a bad loser. Okay. Seemingly the regular home arcade game machine, Victor only reveals his true colors when he feels threatened by the player's imminent victory. Oh, at this which is point hilarious. it will try to sabotage the player's progress with an arsenal of tools. Tiny handles reaching out from within the <laughs> <laughs> So it just starts throwing new commands at yeah. you. Flag waving in front of the monitor, distracting the player, blocking their vision. A cable that ejects itself from the game console. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. Uh, okay, that's that's different. This is like a, a Saturday morning cartoon game. <laughs> this is this is how we we uh, this is how you get the rebirth of the arcade. Is if is if you get all these innovative controls where <laughs> you know. Uh. Vinyl iOS is a game controller and media art installation based on a DJ turntable. Huh. Uh, it's turned into a screen by projecting on it from above. Uh, simultaneously, it's the input device, so it's a bit like uh, the Konami game. I forget what it's uh, like, Beat Mania. Yeah, yeah. Uh, spinning, scratching, rewinding the vinyl. It's a okay. It's like a projection Beat Mania or DJ Hero. Uh, emotional Fugitive Detector, a two-player cooperative game which uses the human face as both its primary controller and screen. That sounds like a conversation. <laughs> One player's face is scanned for emotions for by the installation robot's face-tracking technology. Mm. The other tries to determine which emotion is being scanned for. The Emotional Fugitive Detector embraces the affordances of, the, of human emotional expression and subverts... The concept of a controller, instead using the control uh, a human face to exert control. Players attempt to send no input while evading detection. Players must find a difficult middle ground in this emotional Turing test. Expressive <laughs> enough for a human, too subtle for a computer. Oh, okay. It's it's like threading the needle. You have to make a face that the other person can understand, but the computer cannot. Yeah. <laughs> That uh, that description was way too long. Yeah. Zombie Crawler, an arcade zombie <laughs> game controlled by crawling on a treadmill-like controller. Goal is to get the human at the end of the corridor. Huh. Fascinating. Uh, Objects in Space, a modern punk stealth space trading game for PC, Mac, and Linux. Oh, man, they want to sell this. <laughs> A huge cluster of star systems doesn't light years away from there. You know, lonesome ships, captain, buying and selling wares in order to keep your bucket of bolts afloat and stay one step ahead of pirates, organized... Okay, where's the point? The ships control like they were submarines rather than planes, with players navigating their ships rather than piloting them. Okay. I played Kerbal Space Program... Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, we've built into the game the ability for players to build their own custom controllers using a virtual serial port. Okay. And have built a few sets of such controllers ourselves using a thing. Whatever. That does not sound particularly interesting. Like I said, I've played Kerbal Space Program. I've played Artemis. You're not, you're not rocking my world here. <laughs> uh, Spacebox. Childhood is a magical time when we make believe taking ourselves on any adventures we imagine during our submission, blah, blah, blah. Using an ordinary cardboard box, we blend reality and imagination. Oh, my God. It's a cardboard box. (laughs) I'm not sure if they're just giving you a cardboard box. Yeah, I'm I'm Or the cardboard box is a controller and there's a screen. Can activate a force field and a blaster with the box flaps. <laughs> I, 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 okay, yeah. What? Uh, sh- okay, I. Uh, that one. <laughs> that one hurt. <laughs> yeah, I'm having trouble following that too. I, I think what it is is they they got a cardboard box that you sit in and they got a screen and you control. With the the cardboard box itself as the controller, so you like tilt around to control your spaceship, and you like flap your left flap yeah. to fire lasers, and the right one to fire missiles or some shit. Oh god, that one hurt. Let's let's just move on. Sand Garden, uh, experimental game using a box of sand as its input device. <laughs> the world of sand. A lot, like I said, a lot of these are weird. Yeah. Uh, populated by several villages as a sculpture of this land, you are trying to make as many villages as possible happy by growing them. Each village type has an altitude that it thrives in. Grow mountain villages. Build... <laughs> to grow plains villages, you flatten terrain around the villages due to the physicality of the sand and the simple mechanics of the project. The game, uh, uh, mechanics of the project, this is a game for all ages. Oh, that sounds dull. Uh, <laughs> Super furry neon cat heads. Played in a furry VR cat head using a sensor-filled cat tower as a controller for a yeah. meow mixing rhythm meow game. Meow mixing rhythm game. <laughs> oh god, oh, we're almost done. Cryptogram, a horror-themed puzzle game inspired by the hidden door behind a bookshelf trope. When finding themselves trapped inside a strange house, the player has to go from room to room. Each containing a puzzle outside of what's happening on screen, the player got to use a journal and pull the right books on the bookshelf. Oh, God. Try to solve as many as each puzzle brings them closer to freedom, but not far behind. Something horrible is slowly catching up. Uh, Some of these really do not understand. uh, I I would say some of these really have trouble about defining the line between an actual product and an experiment. Yeah. Seems to be a mixture of both. (laughs) Yeah. In some cases. <laughs> um, Roto Ring, the hardware circular puzzle platformer with pretty lights and clicky knobs. Okay, that's nice and punchy at least. Uh, close the leaks to prevent imminent death. Uh, four players are needed to close the spaceship's air leaks and keep breathing. Releasing air, however, is the only way to steer the spaceship. Oh, that's a problem. And finally, the heist. You know the scene from The Matrix where Neo's talking with the operator looking for a telephone box, and they both need to rely on each other but can only talk to get out of the Matrix. We look at that concept and built a game around it. One player is in VR, and the other has a special panel with buttons and cables that interacts with the virtual world. Okay, that sounds kind of interesting. Huh, yeah. Ah, okay. 
all the interesting GDC stuff that I wanted to go over is now done. <laughs> Jeebus. But that's not everything I wanted to talk about. There's a couple of interesting Valve stories come out. Mm, yes. Now, first of all, I think uh, one of the ones that was more interesting to you was the death of Greenlight. Yeah, yeah, they've certainly been talking about it for a long time, and they finally uh, announced their alternative in Steam Direct, which I think is meant to be – is it spring, I think, this year? It's meant to be up and running, I think, is what um, they've said. I'm not entirely sure. Um, one of the things that struck me about this was uh, the for, for Direct was the conversation about how much are they going to charge for the – uh, yeah. Entrance fee, the, the, the refundable fee. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's a it's a delicate balance for sure. But yeah. if maybe I'm in, maybe I don't have the best point of view on this. But when they talk about five thousand dollars at the high end, and a whole bunch of people are like, "What the hell? Five thousand dollars?" Part of me is sitting here thinking. If your margin is less than five thousand hmm. dollars, something's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, on the my initial reaction is it sounded high, and then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, sometimes they're spending ten times that or, or more. Um, that that actually seems like a fairly small part of it's a fairly small investment in the overall scheme of things, wouldn't it be? Your computer's going to cost more than that. <laughs> yeah, 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 and the licenses and all the other stuff. Oh God, that, yes. You know, depending it's... on if you're buying tools and stuff, like, um, and look, by refund, I don't know what the. Did they actually verify, like, go into detail about what you'd have to do in order to qualify for it being refunded, or is it just you know? Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know the details of it. Uh, I would imagine it'd be something like. You know, Recoupable if, application fee is how they describe it. it. It's 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 clearly set up to be a a hurdle to entry to mm-hmm. to make sure a whole bunch of crap doesn't get in. Yeah, and to um, avoid the nonsense with the voting and and compromising the voting that was going on before. Yeah. Um, I so I would imagine it would be something like you know, for the if it's five thousand dollars, then it can be like okay for the first. Five thousand in revenue you make, you'll make two dollars on the dollar. Yeah. So you'll actually get it all back. Right. Okay. I I I imagine that's going to be the thing. Okay. Okay. So if so if you're doing an asset flip or something shady like that, uh, yeah. it's going to be a lot riskier for you to put up a you know several grand in front, knowing that you might be found out. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and if uh, and if anything causes you to get booted from the storefront, they probably just keep the whole thing. Yeah, they they probably have the language in the contract to be that. Yeah, it's under these circumstances you wouldn't get it back. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I just, well, I, uh, I I can understand like in the world of an independent developer that just uses their home PC to make something, mm. five thousand dollars would be a significant event, like a weekend coder. Yeah. You know. Uh. Or someone who saved up a bunch of money, took time off from a day job to try to make something. But still, I mean, $5,000. If you add it up like that, $5,000 might be one of the largest single purchases that you make. But it's not – I 
and I'm not saying that this is definitely the case. Like I say, maybe I'm coming from a, a fortunate position where I would the, the math works that way for me mm-hmm. as I try to, to understand it. But I, I have difficulty seeing how and, – and this would also depend on exactly how it comes back to you because it sounds like you should be able to get all of that money back eventually. Yeah. But I, I have trouble seeing how that's a make-or-break margin. Yeah. And on top of which, I mean, you can, and that's just for access to Steam. There's other ways you can release stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is just one app. Are, are, are you going it's still, I'm sure it's still cheaper than trying to license on a Nintendo or Xbox or PlayStation. God, it'd have to be. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's where they make, that's where, you know, Sony and Microsoft make their money is the licensing. Because mm. you, know? you have to pay them to release on their platform. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think you're probably right. It's going to be a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to know exactly how it's recouped. But uh, yeah, I still I still don't see it as a as a barrier that uh, would be impossible to overcome. Um, yeah. Hopefully, it has the desired effect of weeding out the um, the bad actors. <laughs> I mean, well, uh, whatever the case. Uh, the current system did give us, uh, I'm Jim fucking Sterling's son. <laughs> if nothing else. <laughs> That's some comedy right there. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how it, how it pans out. But, um, I, I don't, I don't want to be dismissive here when I say some of this, um, because, you know, fascinating stuff can come from, from weird places. I mean, hell, for example, I still go back and play Tumiki Fighters every so often. Do you remember <laughs> Tumiki Fighters? Have you ever no. heard of Tumiki Fighters? No. The only but it came reason... out of Greenlight? Nope. It, I don't think it's ever been on Steam. It. The only reason I ever knew about it was because it got mentioned years ago in, not the comic, but the text adjoiner for Penny Arcade. Oh, it's it's like this really? side-scrolling shooter, kind of like Gradius, except the gimmick is like everything is really super blocky. Like, oh, okay. made up of, you know, like, building blocks kind of things. Mm-hmm. And um, you have this little plane, and it shoots really fast. And when you shoot down an opponent, you can catch it on your plane, and it becomes part of your plane. It starts shooting for you, and uh, it, it'll uh, take hits. And you can just like keep adding stuff to it. And you can hit a button that'll, like, retract everything into you if you had to dodge. And I don't know, it's... It's fun, it's cool, but like no one's ever heard of it. This is a hmm. cheap thing. You could probably sell this, no problem, but it's available for free. Like people make and distribute st- my point here is that people make and distribute stuff like that all the time. And if you want to hmm. do that, you can pay for it. Hell, Artemis, I mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Uh, they, it's available on Steam, but it's also available just through the guy's site. And guess what? Yeah, There's no DRM on that thing. Yeah. Yeah. You you just pay him and he's like, "Yeah, okay, here." Made by one guy, so I mean that, that. I mean that's just an example. Like this, I, I don't think he would give a shit. Hmm. <sighs> It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yep. And then, uh, unless you got anything more to to say on this one, move on to my other uh, Valve topic. Hmm. The budgeting, yeah, or lack of budgeting. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> as, as the case may be. And, and some of this explains why Valve's like moves and decisions are so weird. Um, it came out in um, 
what was it like a, a um, press conference? I don't think it was a press conference. This is some talk that that uh, Gabe Newell had explains Valve's budgeting process in that there is none. Mm. Uh, to, to quote from him. Yeah, I was at a press briefing at Valve HQ. At Valve, we don't have a budgeting process. There's not like some group of people who go off and say this is how much money we think we're going to make on this title, so that's how many people we're going to assign to the to work on that project. That's an economy based on that budgetary process. Our economy is based on people's time. That's the scarce commodity. And uh, not surprisingly, a bunch of uh, comments about this uh, say... You know, this is terrible. Why are you doing it? And, and you know, in the talk, uh, Gabe was talking about how a whole bunch of people would just be like, you're going to fail doing that. Um, yeah, it's mm. it's a, it's definitely a weird thing. But I think uh, some of them point out that if you read between the lines, the point is that uh, they're not short money. They're short time. They got plenty of money. Yeah. Now, yeah, I, this, this is a model, if indeed it can be called a model, because it seems like the anti-model. That uh, to me sounds like it really only works when you're absolutely swimming in cash because of a, a particular revenue stream, Steam, yeah. well, <laughs> that, that allows you to be able to to do your to run your business like this. Well, it's it sounds like they've always been like this, because hmm. um, they go on to talk about. Uh, let me see here. Just trying to find the the section here where he's talking about it. Uh, Everyone is expected to essentially vote on what's most important to our customers by the projects that they work on. So none of the people you saw today are working on those projects because somebody else told them to work on them. Everybody's working on those projects because they thought they could make the largest contributions to our customers by working on them. People move around all the time. So it sounds like there's no hierarchy or structure really either. People just Mm. sort of float around and make stuff. Yeah. Which is really weird. And I'm actually really interested to see what that would be like from the inside. Uh, Mm. There's another example here. Um, But, you know, Adrian Finol, a week after he started, uh, they're talking about Dota. He had the top-down camera working, and suddenly other uh, other engineers go, oh, okay, I think there's other interesting problems in this space that I can work on. And then more and more people pile onto the project because they think it's interesting. And I think that's a, I think it's a fact that you're always voting with your time. You're always making a decision about how to spend your work product that actually makes it easy for people to be fired up because they're always working on stuff that to them seems significant. Nobody's working on yet another sequel. Interesting thing to say. Oh, it's the fall. We have to come up with, you know, version 17. So it sounds like people aren't particularly fired up there about working on a Half-Life sequel. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the funny little things that I saw I thought was uh, woven in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well there's a you can't you can't have an article without Valve without that coming up somewhere. <laughs> or or being forcibly told that it can't come up, one or the other. Huh. Huh. But it sounds like I mean, you can't say that it's not it's tough to argue with success. They it, yeah. if, if this is because they have money, they clearly have plenty of money. Um, and I, I'm guessing that it runs as almost a functional anarchy, which depending on the size that I don't, I don't happen to know the size of their team offhand, but you know, that can work at a certain point, but you got to be super careful about the people that you let in. 
Oh, yeah. And I'm guessing in terms of staffing, they just threaded the needle with yeah. getting the exact people they needed to get this done. Yeah. They probably have the attitude of taking a long time to make a decision, too, because they don't seem to be in a terrible rush to do anything else either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they probably they probably think of it as a why why rush to get the wrong person in when, um, you know, ensuring the right person is the number one priority. <laughs> Something like that. I, this, this is all so – honestly, it's so weird and I really want to – I really want to see how it works. <laughs> yeah. I talk with other people at other companies, and they just... He raises his hand in the air wordlessly, like, going to ask a question. I'll talk to another CEO, and they'll say, you don't have a budgeting process? And they'll say, you're lying. There's no way a modern company could work like that. Either that, or you're incredibly unprofessional, and you guys will eventually implode. And we're like, no, actually, this system works. <laughs> I just looking at some of the the comments uh the scarce commodity here is not money the words of someone who neither understands the meaning of the word commodity nor the word money (laughs) and someone else pointed out that uh this is valve saying they're rich uh yeah that's kind of one of my interpretations of it uh there's there's a Another one here. Uh, it also helps to explain a lot of the reasons why they are so slow to react to malfeasance on Steam. If this mm. is the added, if this is the attitude of the organization, like then that that, that you know why they've been talking. For example, just the topic we were previously on, they've been talking since 2014 about what to do to replace Greenlight. They had mm. decided that far back that they wanted to get rid of it. It's taken them three years to get rid of it. This is the you know, a, a company that's working at fast pace that is uh, concerned about losses and reputation and lost revenue and all that sort of stuff would be making that decision in a far more deliberate, ti- time-sensitive sort of way. And here they are just finally at the start of 2017 going, yeah, yeah, we finally got around to figuring out what we're <laughs> going to do with Greenlight. Like, that seems to be their attitude towards anything, like. Towards just about everything, by the sound of it. So yeah, what were you doing in the meantime? I don't know, making Dota, <laughs> CS:GO, like if if Half Life making 3 movies ever does for TF2. Out, yeah, exactly. If uh, if Half Life Three does, ever does come out, it'll be because somebody got bored and started working on it, and then some <laughs> other guy was like, "Hey, you know what? Let, let's." And then like a year later, they'll find out the game's like half done. <laughs> you know, like. Well, that's that's another one of the weird things because it sounds like there there's no. Like, I, this is just so fascinating because it's they they don't. It sounds like there's no direction dictated from above. So okay, weird, unusual. Like, what's the company direction and how do you set it? How do you like? I understand he doesn't want to necessarily exert control, quote unquote, over people because he doesn't want to. They they don't want to stifle people and make sure that people can work on what they want, but then how do you actually have a cohesive unit? I, I like to say yeah. that, uh, um, um, wow, why is the, uh, bureaucracy is a wonderful thing. The word was just slipping my head there. Bureaucracy is a wonderful thing until you notice it because it's what yeah, lets yeah. group of people work as a unit. And when you notice it is when it's starting to, uh, uh, uh overreach and actually impede. Yeah, Exactly. 
this this seems to have almost no bureaucracy. So how do the people work as a unit? Um, they 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 mentioned that everyone is accountable to everybody but nobody at the same time. Mm. Um, and when it comes to uh, Gabe Newell's own information and handling and stuff, he says, and I'm a really good information hunter downer. If there's something I need to know, I can find out about it. And information is pretty freely available inside of the company, which actually suggests there's some structure or some archival purposes or something. Mm. It's just not hard to, if if there's something you need to know, to find out about it. But there's no, you pull your information, there's no push towards you. Okay. Yeah. I, ah. How do you uh, how, do performance reviews in an organization like this? Oh, God. Like, can, you, can you imagine? Like, how do you set how do you set goals? How do you determine whether you met or exceeded? Like, it's just, just so many questions, side questions that if you've ever worked in a company, yeah, of of medium or or large size, you must be thinking, how the hell does this actually actually work in practice? I, it must be so important. I hate to belabor the point because you've made it, but it must be so important to have the right people yeah. in the organization because human <laughs> you know human nature <laughs> at some point is just going to stand in the way of of this sort of a systemless system working but so so con- yeah the, consider this section yeah sorry um it works in part says Newell because of Valve's now infamous decentralized structure there are no titles, and therefore everyone is accountable to nobody and everybody at the same time. This means there's no established accounting process for either funding or actual work done. Hmm. There has to be... There's got some, to be something. There, there's got to be something in place. Somewhere in that building, there's a group of accountants that have to do... Well, there has to be accountants you know, and jobs. lawyers. Look, look, <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't provide a service like this. They, they, they sign contracts with people. You have to have a lawyer, at least on retainer. You can't not. Um, they, they, they get, they run a storefront. They can't not have accountants. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. I mean, maybe nobody has a title, but you know, your your net code people are going to be your net code people. They're not going to be your artists. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean, I guess they just they don't have titles in the sense of like manager, director, supervisor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lead. Maybe they just all classify one another by their skill set rather than their ranks. I guess. This is just so bizarre. It's just hard to picture how it's worked if you're anyone that's worked within any organization, much less one that makes games. Uh, I really uh, – th- th- this article actually makes me want to try to work for him just so I can know what it's like. <laughs> I think there's a book in there. You know, my <laughs> my, my year at Valve undercover. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be undercover. I mean I, t- I take your point, but like – God, that's weird. Whole thing. Hmm. Jesus. And so, yeah, that, it was a, sorry, hmm? an interesting. It was an interesting read, if nothing else. I, 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 I'm shaking my head sitting here, but it was an interesting read. Yeah, some of the comments are are just hmm. kind of going all over the place too. Oh, yeah, yes. it's, it's all basically everybody's got the same kind of reaction that we do, where it's like, 
wait, what? And some are like, this, this can't be right. And others saying like, oh, it's because they have money. And others are like, there's got to be something. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's so weird. Okay. Well, I think we're spinning in circles now. <laughs> <laughs> Just hard, hard to process. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I mean, at the same time, here's a thought. I like. It almost makes the the logos they have that guy with the the the, the spigot coming out the back of his head <laughs> and the, the the one with the the valve on his okay. eyeball make a bit of sense because this kind of decision making process you know what it's like the Borg. <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean before first contact when they introduced the Borg Queen because that's stupid and it goes against the fundamental concept of the Borg. Mm. Ugh, I'm not getting into that, but the actual original idea of the Borg. Yeah collective uh... yeah it's it, they oh god it's weird anyhow um do you have anything else did you any other stories you wanted to bring up no i think i'm gonna be trying to get over that last story for the rest of the day to be honest, <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> not, not uh, much else for a while uh and we don't have a a, a Another industry guest with us today. So when it comes to our uh, uh, the war stories, I'll give you I'll give a quick one of my own. Um, at uh, a long time ago, I was working on a, a game that had a co-op section. Right, I was working in co-op, and so I had a, a partner with me to to play the other side. Um, you know, every, everybody on the co-op side was paired up for this. Yeah. Uh, at one point, I had to it, like my partner got assigned somewhere else or something, so I was on my own. And I was actually the the most senior on the the co-op section at the time. I was all but an assistant lead, you might say. Mm-hmm. Um, and what wound up happening was uh, I then had to play the co-op section solo, and I got so good <laughs> that only by myself I could clear the game and in one pass unlock all achievements. Except one, and that's just because I didn't, ha- I, I couldn't move both characters forward fast enough to beat a time limit. Hmm. Uh, and because I got so good, when they gave me a replacement, having a second person there slowed me down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was only a few places I needed help. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have to like explain to him how to do a few things, and that just took longer. Yeah, uh, something they not they not they didn't consider when designing the game, but actually, some people got really scared because they thought they would be tuning the co-op to me. <laughs> As that's actually a classic problem: is listening to QA too much when tuning difficulty. That's something that happened with the old uh, N64 Rogue Squadron game. Yeah, they they listened to QA too much, saying "Make it harder, make it harder." It's too easy. It's too easy. Yeah, it's too easy for them because <laughs> they, they play it nonstop. <laughs> Yeah. Don't 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 listen to QA when it comes to difficulty tuning. Ah. Well, anyway, uh, thanks for joining me this week, no Jeff. No problem. No problem. All right. And if anybody out there would like to see me write about anything in the behind the line articles, let me try that one again. <laughs> if anyone out there would like to see me write about anything in the behind the line article series or hear us talk about anything here on Behind the Line Radio. Feel free to get in touch with me at kinetic at enthusiacs.com. That's K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K at enthusiacs.com. See you all next time, everybody. Thanks.
Behind the Line Radio is presented by Enthusiacs.com. For more podcasts, let's plays, articles, videos, reviews, and more, visit us at Enthusiacs.com. Also, send us a comment on Twitter at Enthusiacs. View us on YouTube, channel Enthusiacs, and like us on Facebook, Enthusiacs.